right, are you ready? You know, I was pondering something. It's funny because I was thinking about it while I was worshiping, so I was like, is this from you, Lord, or is just just my mind working? I have to always take that into account. You have to, you have to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So I was just thinking about this, and I talked about this with Hope. You know, we, you, choose, you choose your system, which system that you want to be a part of. We, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. So you either choose to abide, to stand in, you actually stand in faith in the spirit of God and God's system or the spirit of the world and the world's system. Now the spirit of the world is found in Ephesians chapter two, verse two. It's nothing to do with the message. This is all for free. (laughs) The spirit of the world is is the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So you choose one or the other. Now they may, now the, the spirit of God is the word of God. The system of God is the word of God. Whether, whether we believe it or not, whether it offends us or not, if you preach the word of God to the homosexual community, it's gonna offend the homosexual community. If you, if you preach the word of God to the pornographic community, or the heterosexual sinner community, it's going to offend the pornographic and heterosexual sinning community. It just is what it is. It doesn't matter whether it offends or not. The truth is the truth. You may not like the way that it's said, the way that it's given to you, but the truth does not change. So you choose which system that you abide in. You choose that with your finances, You choose that with your marriage, and what we're going to talk about this morning for part two is is your words. But I was thinking about it in this way, and I was talking about this with Hope earlier in the week, and I said, it's an interesting system that we're in. And you're like, Tom, this is like a thorn in your side. It is. A thorn in my flesh. Because I was thinking of this is now, because what is today, the 24th, I think, right? So about four days away from the year-long anniversary from the hurricane. It was September 28, 2022, the hurricane hit. And you're like, Tom, why does this hurricane seem to stay with you? Well, because my roof is being put on right now. My pool cage is still gone. I mean, and and everybody's done all that they can do. There's nothing, you can't make steel out of thin air. There is no steel. So you wait for months and months and months and months. I have the best contractor on the planet, Bill Fancook. He's awesome. He's the best. There's only so much he can do, though. He can't just make steel, so you just wait. And I mean, I had the Abbots get the roof, and the roofing guys are the best, they're best of the best. They're awesome. But they can't make steel happen either. Even the Abbots can't make steel happen. So I'm just thinking to myself, what, what, what the concept is, is I'm like, if you get like your... You're, you know, and I, I don't want to launch into my problems with insurance companies, but it may come out. <laughs> insurance companies are all liars. They don't pay anything. I'm like, as soon as I can be insurance free, I'm going to be insurance free. I'm not paying anymore. Because what's the point? You sit there and you pay and you pay and you pay. And then when it's time, and you, like I've been paying insurance 
since I was 16. And, I, and, I, and I'm 55, and I'm like, I've never made a claim outside of a few car incidents, and most of them weren't mine. I had my friend borrow my car and destroy and wreck my truck, and I just paid for it myself. But I mean, but I was thinking about how the, the and this is just an example of the world system, the prince of the power of the air. But I'm like, so you pay, you pay into an insurance company. Well, you, you get a settlement. So you get it like for the house. That's how it works for the house. So they give, they, the appraisal for my house was $268,000 worth of damage. Kitchen's gone. Uh, family room's gone. Living room's gone. My daughter's bedroom's gone. Or part of my daughter's bedroom, the master bedroom. Gone. All, soffit blew up, blew water into all of them. and came pouring down the walls and destroyed all the drywall. So I released made it so you had to replace all the drywall. So you have all this damage. Well, insurance company offered me $11,000. <laughs> That's the truth, by the way. So we wouldn't take that. So now people in this church had to leave. I'm going somewhere with all this, but I told you, you guys are my psychiatric counselors. This is probably why a lot of people don't come back. But anyway... <laughs> So we, of course, won't accept the $11,000 and we go back and forth. And so we have to go to mediation. Now, a lot of people, now I won't say a lot of people, several families in this church left Florida. You want to, where did these people go? They left Florida because they got the same deal. What are, they, what are you going to do? If you, if you don't have the means, and, you, and by the way, they had nowhere to live. So the insurance company is supposed to come in, set you up a place to live, that's what, you, that's what you signed on the dotted line for. But the, you see, the, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies, John 8, 44. So you just lie. You go in there, just, my, my kitchen alone is worth $60,000, and he offered me 11000 for the entire house. And people had to leave this church. They had to leave the area to move back up north or wherever they went, wherever they could find shelter, because their house was destroyed. They have seventy dollars or $80,000 worth of damage to the house, and it's not habitable. They can't live there anymore, and they get offered $2,500. They, they can't afford an attorney. I can afford an attorney. They can't afford an attorney. And by the way, even if I couldn't afford an attorney, I'd find it, because here's the thing. I'll sue you just to break even, just so you have to pay. I will. So people, people I leave. So for us, we went to mediation. And so we settled on $150,000. I'm like, great, all right, $150,000. I got Bill Fancook, he'll rebuild my house for $150,000, even though it, it costs more than that. He'll do it because he's my friend. I'm not telling everybody in here to discount me, please. I'm not saying that. Bill's my friend, we go back. So we're like 150,000. Okay, well, they sent me 109 and then refused to answer my phone calls. So I'm suing them for 41,000. But that's not my point. That's not my point. But I'm suing them and I don't care. I, don't, I mean, I'll start bigtommy.com and make money. I don't know, whatever I got to do. I don't know what I'll do, but I, whatever. Yeah. I'll do whatever I got. No, I ain't going to go begging nobody for money. No, I mean, I don't do the, the, the righteous are never seen begging for bed. I don't do, I don't do no GoFundMe. No, I, I will never do that. 
So that, you know, that's the world system. But the interesting thing about it is, so they send me my 109,000, but does it go to me? No, it goes to the bank. Because our house is worth, I don't know, what's our house worth, worth roughly? Yeah, five, 600,000 bucks our house is worth now. We built it for 238,000, but that's how it went, right? So everything's doubled pretty much. Probably worth more than that, actually, according to what's being sold around our neighborhood. So probably between six and 700 is what it's worth. So we, we owe, like, and my wife is gonna kill me for all of this afterwards, but, <laughs> but we, owe, we owe like 120,000 on it or something like that in, the, in that ballpark. So because we still owe on it, the bank owes, owns the house, yep. right? You're like, Tom, aren't you a man of faith and you don't believe in, in debt and all that? Yeah, no, not on the whole. But because, I'll say it out loud, because of my small thinking and because of my words and because I told you that I've wasted 50 out of 55 years, I am not where I need to be. Who else will say it out loud but me? Until you say it out loud, you're going nowhere. You gotta say it out loud. You gotta say it to God. That's not my point either. But, so all of my money from the, now, who was paying for the insurance? Me or the bank? I was, but all the insurance company, I mean, all the insurance money goes to the bank, and then they decide when to release it to me upon proof of us doing work or whatever it may be. So, like, that's the world. Now, who is suing the insurance company for the money to rebuild the bank's house? I'm paying for the attorney that's suing the insurance company to rebuild the house that's owned by the bank. And it's the exact same thing going on in this building right now. And I love the bank that we work with, this building, it's nothing to do with them. I'm just, the bank that finances this building is fantastic, love them. They're absolutely men and women of integrity. But I'm just using it as an example. That's the world system. I have to hire the attorney, pay for it out of pocket myself to get the money to pay for your house? Why aren't they hiring the attorneys? You're like, Tom, what does this have to do with church? Nothing, I just, <laughs> I just wanted to talk about it, so I talk about it. You're like, Tom, there's six or 700 people in this room. I know, it doesn't really affect me that there's all these people in here. I mean, <laughs> I just wanted to get it out there. So you just choose. So that's, that's the world system. It makes absolutely no sense. And you see it now. Everything benefits a certain group of people, and they will lie, cheat, and steal to make sure that those benefits still go to them. And your antenna needs to be up, and you need to be able to say, I smell it. I smell what's coming down the pike. I see it and I'm going to be the restraining against it. You have to do that. So how do we do that? So God has put, it, put his system in place. His system. His system is a reaping and sowing or a sowing and reaping system. Whether you like it or not, whatever you put into the ground is coming up. It doesn't matter if that offends you or not. It's still gonna come up. My wife told me the other day, she goes, you're lucky as many people attend the church as do. 
So I will say this. For all the new people, just hang in there. You gotta go, you gotta stay three months. And you'll, you'll, never, you'll never go anywhere else. I'll say this. Are there people in the world that are better at delivering than I am? I don't know. That's up to you to decide. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. You decide. I don't know. But I will know. It's just kind of weird to me that all the people that could be saying the same things and saying them nicer don't. And I've told you this before. But I've had many people that have come up to me throughout the years and go, you know, I, I listened to a pastor and he sounds just like you. <laughs> it's just like pe many people have come up to me so many times and told me that I look like whatever chubby movie star. Oh man, you remind me of that. It's always that guy. It's not Brad Pitt. <laughs> it's not Jake Gyllenhaal. It's like Kevin James from King of Queens or something. <laughs> you remind me of him. No, I don't. But they'll say it, but the interesting thing to me is, is maybe there's just no other way to say it. I mean, Jesus used a lot of voice inflection. Do you ever read the word? There's lots of exclamation points in the new covenant, in the gospels, lots of exclamation points, because maybe there's no, because what I'm saying here is, we are in a words system, whether you like it or not. Words matter. Whether you like it or not, they matter. A lot of you are dying for words from your spouse. Yep. Got a yelp, front row yelp. Words, we you know why? Words matter. Grunts matter. So if grunts matter, words matter. My wife will walk out and she looks good to me and I'll go, mm-hmm. <laughs> it like makes her whole day. She goes, oh, thank you so much. I just, I'm like, all I did was grunt. Mm, mm. <laughs> so grunts matter, words matter. Man, at least give her a grunt. Mm, man. Always just trying to help. Little side notes here. Little tributaries to the river. Trying to help you out. So, so whether we like it or not, we are part of a words system. Whatever you put into the ground with your words is coming up. So I was just, what I was thinking about was where, if, if it can be said in a more kindly way, and this may be said of using vaccine pimps and whores. The Bible didn't. I mean, you're like, Tommy, you've used this example at nauseum. Yeah, I know, but if you're Paul, and Paul's thorn in the flesh, I haven't gotten to the message yet. And Paul's thorn of the flesh found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 which correlates with Numbers 33:55. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides. Letting old things remain, well, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? Religious 
Jews following him around and backdooring him when he went into synagogues and telling people they need to be circumcised. You need to drive out those inhabitants from the land. That's, that, that's the point of it. But we live in a words system. A words system. That is, that's where we're, whether, whether we like it or not. Now, can it be said in a nicer way? I don't think so because nobody else says it. So maybe there's just no way to say it nice. Otherwise, is, how, how, can, how, is it, how is it ever, by the world's standards, nice to tell people narrow is the way and few find it? That most people go to hell. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. What's the, what's the, what's the nice way to say it? What if I lower my tone? Um, maybe put a little lisp in there. I just want to tell everybody this morning. That narrows the way if you find it. and Beware of false prophets. Come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are, they are ravening wolves. There's, there's no way to do it. That's why, that's why nobody does it. You're like, Tom, nobody? Name them. And listen, there's great word of faith, pastors, and I agree with them. But they don't, they're not addressing what's happening in the world. They don't often address hellfire or brimstone. They avoid it. So what, are you, who are you, what system are you winning them to if you're not preaching God's system? Even if you're right in certain areas, but you're not preaching hellfire and brimstone, you're not preaching repentance, narrow is the way if you will find it, you're not preaching about the mark of the beast. You have the UN right now and the World Health Organization, which are one and the same, trying to put out a world medical pass, a biometric medical card, and nobody in the church is talking about it outside of the people that I directly follow and us. Why? Well, there's an easy, how, what's an easier way to say it? What's a nicer way? There is no nice way to say it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Matthew 23, 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. Matthew 23, 27. It's no nice way to say some things. See how quiet it is in here. You're, like, you're worried about what I'm about to say. Yeah. I don't even know what I'm about to say, so don't worry about it. I have, I have no idea what's coming. I have a basic outline that I never follow. <laughs> Dutifully prepared for hours and then don't follow much of it, just like the podcast. There's, maybe there's just no way to say it nice. You don't have to say it as a condescending jerk, but maybe there's just no way to say it nice. So you choose what system that you fall into. You choose. Choose for yourselves. This day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You choose. You choose. And remember the first part of that verse out of Joshua 24, 15 is, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. It's talking about people who are deceived that actually thinks God is evil. That saying that homosexuality is sin is evil. 
Many in the church believe that. If we were to go around, I'm gonna ask yourself, if we went on a 700 person bus tour, we get like, like 10 buses, and we go drive around together and go to all the church services in North Portland and all of Charlotte and Sarasota County. Is there one like this church? No? no? You're like, Tom, you're just, you're just uh, you know, doing an ad or a commercial for you. No, I'm not. I don't, no, I'm not. Not at all. Not, re- not remotely at all. I'm just telling you that's what's true. People won't say it anymore. Why? Because they think it's evil. They think it's evil to serve the Lord in their eyes. You know, telling Aunt Susie finally that she's a tax fraud or a liar. She should tell her that. Is she a tax fraud and a liar? Well, tell Susie. You want her to go to hell? Who's going who's gonna to fix it? She going to have a fresh start and a new beginning and go to At The Movies and Summer Playlist? Is that going to save her? Go, or they can do Christmas At The Movies come December and they show Home Alone inside the church and derive biblical principles out of it somehow? Let's stop, stop it right there. Now we see here where Macaulay Culkin <laughs> stands up against the thieves, and that's like us standing up against Satan. A lot of you think I'm exaggerating. That is the state of the modern church. Which is why the state of the United States is where it is right now. It's because that's the state of the church. We are are supposed to be, the Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, shining city on a hill. We're not cooperating. We're a shining city on a hill. You're welcome to come up. Narrow is the way now. Narrow is the way up the mountain, but you are more than welcome to come up. You're supposed to be, we're supposed to be the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Everybody should be able to see us. You can't see us when you're cooperating. You just blend in. You're now camouflaged. It's like we have more movement inside this church. You know, there's plenty of empty purple chairs. It ain't hard to find a place to sit. Look at them. Genesis 1.27. This is the world. Now, this is where we started off last week. Let me just relay this foundation. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we are created in his image. We look like God. You do. You look like God. You're like, well, God cannot look like this. You look like God. You do. You look just like him, male or female. You look just like him. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. So we've got it to where we look like him. Well, that's great, I look like him, fantastic. But, Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So you look like him, And because of Jesus, you have everything he has. Everything, look at me. On earth as it is in heaven. After this manner, therefore pray ye. 
Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will be done is what? On earth as it is in heaven. There's no lack in heaven, so you have no lack. There's no sickness in heaven, you have no sickness in heaven. There's no infirmity in heaven, so you have no infirmity here. There's no depression in heaven, so you have no depression here. There's no anxiety in heaven, you have no anxiety here. Yeah, but that's not the reflection of my life. Let God be true and every man a liar. You're a liar. In comparison to the truth of God, you're a liar. Listen, I've had sickness. But I, I front it up. I go, you know what? Something is up with me. I need to come into conformity to the word of God. Not make the word of God come into conformity to me. You create your world with your words, period, because that's how God created the world, and we have all of his spiritual blessings. So if God created the world with his words, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. So he created his world with his words. Every spiritual blessing is yours, so you create your world with your words. You are, listen, he was a creator, he gave you every spiritual blessing, so what are you? Creator. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You have his power. So you now create your world with your words. Tom, life can't be that simple, try it. Try it in faith. Words are faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the? Words are faith. Whatever your faith is, is your words. Whatever your words are, is your faith. You know, I marvel at something. I talk to people regularly that attend this church. And I'm like, do you ever listen to me preach? Like, Tom, does it hurt you? It doesn't hurt my feelings. It really doesn't. I don't have any feelings left to hurt. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm just like, you're really going to call yourself old and you attend this church? You not heard me preach? Uh, you know, once you get to this age, it all starts going downhill. Sands of time don't move up. Why do you, why do you preach out of the wrong system? I thought you were Christ-like, Christian. Why are you preaching out of the wrong system? I got a bunch of those examples. But I just, I, I, there's just times where I'm going, I, and I do, I actually say it. Don't say that. Why, why are you saying that? If I feel like it. But I, see, I hear it at, you know, at the door, I don't have time then. But if I have time, I'll correct you. How are you still, how are you still cussing when you've been saved for a decade or more? But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, Colossians 3.8. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, 2 Timothy 2.16. How is it you're still, I mean, I see it all the time. I'm like, how are you? And then not only that, but you drop them on me. How are you dropping A-bombs on me? 
Well, we don't get that back in uh, West Virginia. Uh, A-double-S, that's not a cuss word. Um, well, you know what? First of all, this is Florida. <laughs> and you really, you really think that it somehow geographically profanity changes? And so that's, that's why it's so easy to get people to think that you can walk into a restaurant and you have to wear a mask until you get to your table and you can take your mask off and eat in between bites. So easy to convince people because they'll follow whatever doctrine's convenient for them. That's not a cuss word in, in West Virginia. My grandpa taught me how to pray. He taught me the Bible and he, and he taught, me, taught me how to pray and he taught me how to cuss. Grandpa was a dum-dum, Okay. <laughs> He must not have known much about the Bible. You know, Tom, you tell me I'm going to hell if, you're, if I'm cussing? No, I'm not. But how many people you went into the Lord? Have you noticed? Amen. Have you noticed? Amen. Need to notice. I'm always inspecting my own fruit. I'm always inspecting it. Amen. Always. When I drive into this parking lot, I want to know how many people are here. It's my fruit. I want to know how many people are watching the podcast. I want to know how many people got saved. I want to know how many times I witnessed in a week. I'm actually checking those off. I'm checking them off. That's what I do. You should be inspecting your fruit. False prophets are known by their fruit. That's how you can decipher between real and fake. We are in a word system. The world will tell you, sticks and stones and break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That's a lie. Are you telling me words never hurt you? It's a lie. It's just like it takes a village. It's no, it's no more truth than it takes a village. It doesn't take a village. That's not the Bible. The Bible is godly parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. There you go. What does it tell moms? Nothing. Moms are like a given. If your mama doesn't love you, you better run to the cross. Get somebody to love you. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. And listen, in law enforcement, I knew lots of mamas who didn't love their kids. Yeah, and how do you know if you love them or not? This has nothing to do with the message either. Proverbs 13, 24. You spare the rod, you hate your kid. But he who loves them disciplines them promptly. You're your be- they're their best friends when they're two years old. No, listen. You're going to end up with iron bracelets on behind their back. You discipline them now. I don't want to launch into that because I could spend a half an hour on it. But we are in a world, a word system, whether you like it or not. I want to be able to say whatever I want to say. Okay. Be not deceived. Galatians 6, 7. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And words are seed. You look at the parable of the sower. It starts off with it. Luke 8, 11. Now the parable is this. The, the seed is the word of God. So if God's word is seed, and you're created in his image, and given every one of his spiritual blessings, are your words not seed? Are your words not creative? Do they not have creative value? You're like, I'm gonna have to walk. Yeah, this is why the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse two, let your words be few. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. 
Because words are dangerous and words are powerful and words are good. They can be really good. The tongue has the power of life and death. Everybody only preaches as if, as if it's only death. You can use your words to bring forth life. You create, God creates, he gave you his stuff. It's not a matter of being haughty. No more haughty than a rich kid who inherits all their daddy's money. What are you haughty about? Why are you highbrowed? You just, re, you just receive somebody, the fruits of somebody else's labor. Why, do, why are you prideful about it? It's the same thing here. I don't have any pride about it. I just know that words are important. And words have creative value. And life and death. And I'm judged by them. Here's, some, here's a list of examples. You never know what tomorrow holds. Now, I should have brought my hardcover Bible so I could throw, hang it up in the air. Where's that in the Bible? You never know what tomorrow holds. Hug them like you'll never see them again. You know, I purposely don't do that with my kids. I just, see ya. See ya later. Oh, wait, wait, before you go. Hug him like you'll never see him again. I'm gonna speak that into my life. Hey, Dad, I'm leaving. Bye. You don't even tell him you love him? No, they know I love him. I'll see him later. I'll tell him later. I'm not acting like that. And you're like, how did you learn to cross that bridge? Listen, words come from where? From your heart, which is synonymous with your mind. Whenever you see heart in Scripture, it means your mind also, just so you know. Synonymous in Scripture, it's your soulish realm. Words, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So words come from your heart. They come from who you are. How do you change your heart? Commit thy works unto the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. You change your heart, which spews forth your words, by changing your actions. So what did I do? Tommy was like my test, you know, my, my, my experiment, my test tube. My first child. He was like my test. By the time Norma came around, I'd already worked it all out with Tommy. When Hope was pregnant with Tommy, I'd pray over her every day. Lord, just keep that baby healthy. Just, you know, I bind this. I over With Norma, I prayed one time. And that was it. One time, and that was it. But with, with, with Tommy, every, every day. So I learned, let's get, let's, get the, let's get everybody seated here. No more moving around, okay? No more moving around. Let's have everybody seated. Plenty of empty chairs in here. It's very distracting for the people around you. I understand if you have to go to the bathroom, you're free to go. <laughs> All the rest of the movement, let's settle. It's, one, it's 11.34. We're going to be out of here in an hour. Everybody can sit still for an hour, and you know my butt adjustment techniques. Use them, use them at will. So with Tommy, I was kind of a nut. I would be like, he had his Aunt Faith, which is obviously Hope's sister, and he's friends with Travis, his cousin. So they would, they would hang out. I'm talking about when they were little, three, four years old. And I would go up to Faith. Okay, now, what do you have in the house? Like, where will he sleep? Now, this is a very good mother. Raised three kids, perfectly fine, perfectly safe. 
church every Sunday, good dad, stalwart father, they're good. Nobody's ever been injured, but here I come. <laughs> now, now what do you have here? And Hope's like, Tom, be quiet. Be quiet. It's, he's fine. He'll be fine. And Faith, because she is a mediator, she goes, no, it's his kid. He has the right to ask. She's just sweet. Far sweeter than I am. So I'm like, what do you, do you have like the bars that come up on the bed? I don't know what I'm rolling off. The bed's like this far from a carpeted floor. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm working it out with Tommy. Norma got none of it. I worked it out with Tommy. <laughs> Going over to people's houses, do you have a pool? Do you have a pool? I mean, I don't, you know, I want to, do you have a pool? I mean, I go crazy. Finally, I went, you know what? That's it. I'm out. I stopped it. I'm not going to sew any more of those words in. He rolls off the bed, he'll bounce off the floor, and he'll be perfectly fine. He'll be fine. He'll be safe. I stopped. You can't do both. You can't stop and believe and still speak it. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Your words are your faith. Period. Because you're just like God. Tom, how dare you say that? I didn't. The Bible says it in, John, in Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That's it. So I'm not going to create any more of this. I'm making, by me being hyper safety, I'm making him unsafe. The Lord convicted me. What do you do when God convicts you? It should be instant obedience. He's just convicted you of a crime. Tom, that's awfully harsh. Well, okay, it's wrongdoing. You, you react, now I shut my mouth. Many of us, we need to learn to stop talking. I have learned it. I barely speak a negative thing. Barely. Hope, hope, I've talked to her more than anybody else, and I'll say, well, I'm, not, I, you know, I'm just not going to discuss this right now because, you know, I'm not going to put it. I always say, I put it this way. I'm not going to put it out in the air. Prince of the power of the, I'm not putting it out there. I don't want them to know what I know or, th or, or know what I think. Hug them like you'll never see them. Okay, you just unleash that into your life. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Nothing works out for me. Okay, you know what? Nothing will ever work out for you. Stop saying it. Wake up every day and Lord, I expect to be blessed. I do, I do. Listen, if you actually listened to my prayers, you'd probably stop coming to the church for the stuff that I believe in. That's very self-centered, Tom. I don't care what you think. I pray for whatever I want. And you know what I get? Whatever I want. It's true. I don't have that kind of money. All right, well, I don't talk like that. I'm like, when I have it in hand, I'll make that purchase. I create it. You've kept yourself poor. How old are you? 
30, 40, 50, 60, you've kept yourself poor. No, I'm never coming back to this church. Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing. You know what people want in churches? To be absolved of all responsibility. Well, you never know what God's gonna do. That you just absolved yourself of all responsibility. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. James 1, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. James 1, 6, 7, and 8. So when you go, you never know what God may do. How are you asking? You never know what God may do? How are you asking in faith with no doubting when you never know what God will do? Think logically. But what people want is to be absolved of responsibility. Somebody died in my life, but it was God who did it. Where does God kill people? He does. He does kill people. It's happened. He has. But it's a new covenant. Until you're dealing with the book of Revelation and angels that God releases, there's not a whole lot of death going on from God. So to sit there and say God plucked a person, you know that? I'll go back to Aunt Susie. Aunt Susie's got all the problems in the family. I don't have an Aunt Susie, but whatever. You know, Aunt Susie, man, she loved Jesus, read her Bible every day, went to church every day. Listen, she's in heaven, but, and you know, God took her. God didn't take her. God didn't take her. You, you listen, for all intents and purposes, inside of 120 years, you'll decide whether you die or not. That's up to you. Your words will tell it. You're like, Pah. A lot of you right there, you can tell. That seems evil to you, what I just said, didn't it? It seems evil. No, God is in control. God is sovereign. God chooses what time I die and what time I die. Where is that in the Bible? And where is sovereignty in the Bible? Sovereignty, sovereign is found like twice in the Bible. And what it means is, is God is over all. Looking down over all. As if flying in a helicopter. Anybody ever been in a helicopter? Yeah, you fly, it's amazing, right? Remember, remember sovereignty. Flying in a helicopter, I did it one time at the sheriff's office. I was, I was at the gun range, buddy, and the helicopter flew in. I was doing this uh, youth camp thing. Helicopter flew in to show all the kids. And my buddy, I was taught, running my mouth. Words, words. And you know, I'm not a real big fan of flying. So I was running my mouth to my buddy, Matt, and he goes, and for the sheriff's office people here, Matt Binkley, I was talking to Matt, and I was saying, hey, I would love to fly in a helicopter someday. What was I thinking? <laughs> I don't like getting in a jumbo jet. In a helicopter. <laughs> so helicopter lands. Matt was one of their, I can't remember what they call him now. But with the people that ride with them, that spot for them and do all this, actually a position at the sheriff's office. And they go out with them and they're like the navigator almost for the, for the pilot. They have equipment, headset, man, it's a big deal. So he flew with them all the time. And he says, hey, you know what? The guy, the, the helicopter pilot is Brent. He says, hey, Brent, you know, Tom would love to fly. <laughs> now, Matt didn't know that he was just, you know, just, <laughs> I'm trying to think of an appropriate word, but... <laughs> Doing me over because I was just running my mouth. He was being honest, like, hey, Brent, Tom would love to fly. Brent's like, okay, uh, well, all we got to do is push you through an eight-minute process. 
you have to go in, check in, check out, do this, put the shade on and look for emergency stuff and whatever. And he goes, you ready to go? I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I got a t-shirt and shorts on and put my headset on and flew off in the helicopter. <laughs> and when you get up in a helicopter, you're overall. You don't realize how close everything is. How close Boca Grande is to where we are right now. It's all these roads and, I mean, it's really everything. So you could see Ybor City from Jack Aranda in 41 on a clear day. It was clear. We could see Ybor City from Jack Aranda, not Jack Aranda in 41, Jack Aranda in 75. You see Ybor City. That's how close it is. It's close. It's actually very close. And you can see it. That's God. I got it, babe. Sovereignty. That's, he's overall, not in control of all. You are. All authority has been given to you. You implement the word or you don't. It's up to you. You want to live to 120? Perfectly healthy? That you? It's yours. But most of you have talked yourself into wrinkles because you believe the AMA. And I know I talk about this all the time, but it's because we live in Florida. This is a young church for Florida, but we still have lots of 60 and aboves in this room. I'm only five years from 60. I'm just saying, you, you look at my mother. You never know my mother, 79. Never. Walking every day. She looks like she's about 62. You'd have no idea how old she is because she does refuses to age. She's not even a believer. She refuses to age. And I speak it to her all the time, too. I wonder, yeah, we always talk to her. She goes, you know how old I am this year? She just had a birthday on July 28th. She said, you know how old I am? I said, well, uh, I don't know, 77? She goes, no, 79. And she goes, can you believe that? I said, well, it doesn't mean anything anyway. And I actually, I've had an agreement with her to not preach to her so that we can have a relationship. Seriously, she already knows where I stand. She's already heard it all. She knows. Knows where I stand on everything. But that was going to cost us our relationship. So I just told her, listen, talk to me about anything. If you don't want the Bible, don't ask for it. If you don't ask for it, I'll never, I, won't, I won't share it. So we and you can have a friendship together. But I still tell her because she's good with the age stuff. So I say, you know Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, Mom, that you're guaranteed for 120 years. So it's just people have talked themselves into being old in America. You're not old. You're not old, 79. So you've got 21 more years on, inside of 120 after that. You've got 41 years to go. Of perfect health, by the way. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Deuteronomy 34, 7. Why would you not take that? You, are you going to talk yourself out of it? You choose. No matter what, you're in a words system, no matter what. There's no way around it. Remember, be not deceived. God is not mocked. He will ensure that whatever you sow, you will reap. All the tyrants that you've seen reaped what they sowed. And all the ones that you see now will reap what they sow. God is the guarantor of the loan. That's for rich people. I hear, I hear people at this church say that. Why? Why don't you become rich? Well, I'm 77, and I've got a guaranteed you know, monthly Social Security and well, 77, so again, let me do my math here. 23 years on the side of 100. So you got 40, 43 years to go. Why don't you become rich in the next five, six years? Amen. Why are you talking? Well, that's cars for rich people. 
I don't think like that at all. A lot of people, it's cars for rich people, and then they envy it. And then they talk about the evil of wealth. Why are you, why are you envying wealth? Why are you envying what's evil if wealth is evil? Why do you envy it? See how quiet it gets in here? See, I'm just honest with myself. I don't struggle with envy. I've told you I struggle with other things. I don't struggle with envy. When I see somebody that has something I don't have, you know what I think about? If I want it, most of the time I don't. Most things I, you know, I don't want another bust off another thousand boat. B-O-A-T boat, bust off another thousand. I don't, I don't, because you know why? I don't like the water. It's okay. I mean, it doesn't do much for me. Like, why do you live in Florida? I don't know. It's an easy life. You don't have to shovel your driveway or anything, clean out your gutter. It's an easy life. And I'm lazy, so I don't want to be out there doing that stuff. <laughs> Hope's like, don't tell people you're not lazy. In my own eyes, I'm lazy. In Hope's eyes, I'm not. But I'm, I mean, I'm endlessly moving, that's for sure. But I don't talk like that. If I see something that I want, I'm, like, I'm going to get that. Not that's for these people. You ever, I mean, listen, you ever read the Bible? Seriously. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But look at the first, nobody ever talks about the first line. It's always, don't measure yourself by yourself. Don't compare yourself to other people. Do you ever read the first line? For we dare not class ourselves? See, you, you class yourself rich or poor? Sick or well? You, listen, don't class yourself something that's the, that is antithetical to the word of God. We dare not class ourselves like that. You, if you're gonna cla- you can class yourselves in one way. Join air with Jesus. Everything that's his is mine. On earth as it is in heaven. How do you turn things around financially? How do you turn it around? You give. What do you want? I want a house. All right, what are you going to do to get it? What are you going to do? You're just going to say the rest of your life, you know, houses are for rich people. I rent, barely make it by. Well, listen, they're going to make rent unaffordable for you, so you might want to start, start looking to buy. How do you get to a place of buying? How do you change your wealth perspective. Give, and it will be given to you. It's all about words. And this is the word of God. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. If you want, a, you want extravagance, give extravagantly. Don't give here. Okay, there you go. So you don't think I'm after your money. You better tithe here. I'm not trying to get your money. I'm trying to get you to have money. I don't need your money. I'm good. I'm trying to get it so that you have money. And if you want it, for the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Or are you just going to class yourself the rest of your life as poor? Or middle class. I don't think of myself as middle class. I think, of, actually, if you, if you were to know how I think of myself, is I think of myself as underachiever. You're like, that's awfully, I'm not, I'm not here to be absolved. I'm here to take responsibility and change things. 
Not to be absolved, not to pretend like I'm not responsible for where I'm at. Anything that's happening in my life that's antithetical to the word of God is on me. Not God and not on anybody else. Non-tither, poor. Inconsistent tither, poor. And you're like, I'm not a tither and I'm not poor. You have far less wealth than you're supposed to have. A lot of people are inconsistent tithers. They get behind a couple. You know, we'll pay them the next one. And say it's like you got to pay like 500 bucks a month or something in tithe. You get behind a couple months and now you owe like $2,000. You're like, you know what? We're starting over right now. I'm going to start over right now. Just forget the past. Brethren, I count on myself to have apprehended. But there's one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Um, Those things are not behind. Those things are present. And you owe God $2,000. And people take the bank more seriously than they take God. They take their mortgage more seriously than they take God. They take their jobs more seriously than they take the church. You would never get offended and storm out of your job until you had another job, maybe. But people get offended and storm out of churches all the time because that's their heart. And out of that heart, their mouth speaks. Non-giver, you'll remain poor. Here's another one that nobody preaches about. Non-worker, poor. First Timothy chapter five, verse eight. But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Why, Why exactly are you not working? I understand if you're retired, you've got that income. You already worked and you're good. I'm talking about those who have a family who is lacking and the husband's not working. I'm not talking to women right now. I'm talking to you, men. Why, why is he you're not working? Just curious. I would never, listen, 2006, 2007, I did not have one day off for two years. Two straight years, not one day off. There was many times where I, where I preached Sunday morning and that, well, we were 10 o'clock then too, so probably got out, we didn't, we didn't go as long, but probably got out somewhere where I could leave the building around noon, and I had a detail waiting for me in the north end of Sarasota. Put my uniform on, drive to Sarasota, and direct traffic all day at Fruitville Groves. Because we had to have it. Hope lost her job because she was a realtor and a mortgage broker, and that whole, that, that whole economy crashed. All those jobs crashed, so someone had to work. And we had to pull our kids out of school, out of Christian school that they were in. So they were home now. They were little. So she had to stay home with the kids. So I worked seven days a week for two straight years. I'm, listen, and I had people give to me too. God, God will bless you. Had my water system go out. My buddy p- fixed it for me. He paid for it to have it fixed. I told you this before. I ran over a bobcat on the way to Tuesday night prayer. Hit the rob- bobcat about 73 miles an hour. Yes, I was going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit as a law enforcement officer. But I'm a cop. I can do whatever I want. But anyway, so back then. Back then. Hit a bobcat, went under, smashed my transmission, $1,600 worth of damage. My friend who's an attorney paid for it for me. That's who God is. Because my seed's in the ground. Seeds already in the ground. 
So even though I was working full-time seven days a week, I still couldn't afford those things but God because I was faithful. God came through for me. But even if you do all of the right things, you're a tither, you're a giver, you're a worker, but you speak the opposite, trumps it all, and you'll get what you speak. There's many Christian tithers who are poor. Malachi 3, 8 through 11. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way, what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. You can trump all of that if you don't believe in blessing. You don't believe in being wealthy. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. I'm not rich, then you're off. I'm not rich enough. If you're worried about it, well, rich, you know, riches can contaminate people. They can. Give it all away, then don't worry about it. Amen. Make a million dollars a year and live on 150, 200,000, give 800 grand away. Amen. If you're worried about it. Amen. Amen. So, how do I, how do I go about, oh gosh, it's 11.56 already. Wow. How do I go about changing my words? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to skip to something because I'm not going to get to it if I don't. I'm gonna go, we're gonna camp in some verses here. Where the heck am I? Here I am. Man, look at, see how much I just skipped? I just skipped the entire message to get to the last page of the message. I haven't preached any of it. I wanna show you this. I want you to understand, I'm gonna preach for like 13 more minutes, something like that, 12, 10-ish. That's where I'm gonna be. So stay with me. You've gotta get this today. And those of you that have attended this church for a while, you've heard this before, but not at this detail. So pay close attention to what I'm gonna tell you. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The heart is determined by what you do. Prayer, Bible, study, worship, and fellowship. Do you do them or do you not? Do you repent or do you not? Do you control your words or do you not? That is how your heart is determined. That's how, it is, how its existence is determined, and that's how your words are determined, wherever your heart's at. Now, what you can do is reverse the system. If you have corrupt words, don't use them because that's coming out of your heart. But you can use correct words to uncorrupt your corrupted heart. Don't speak your words to your heart. Read Bible verses to your heart. That's how you can actually change your heart. You're like, I can't change my heart because with words because words are the result of my heart. Not if they're coming from another source. I told you that last week, but that's not even what I'm gonna get to, but I want you to see that concept first. I want you to see the symbiote in it all. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The heart is determined by what you do. But you can reverse the system and change your heart with your words as long as they're not your words. They're God's words. Now, when God's words become your words, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. And you can continue to speak to your heart and speak to others too. But I want you to see this, and I'm gonna heading towards the end with this, but it'll take a little while. As Jesse Duplantis says, this is my first closing. <laughs> your heart is a follower. Your heart and your mind are not leaders. They're followers. I'm saying they 
because people think of them as two different things, but your heart and your mind are exactly the same thing. Your heart or your mind is a follower. It follows what you do. What's most important to you is what you do, not what you say or even what you think. What's most important to you is what you do. You know how you can determine deception? What happens with deception is it'll be exposed with loss. Here's an example. In law enforcement, a lot of cops, because they deal with what I call the septic world, the world that nobody else sees. And I mean nobody else sees. Not even firefighters, not even doctors and nurses. Cops exclusively see a world that nobody else sees. And then doctors and nurses see world, the world that cops don't see. But I'm just saying, they don't see what, what, what cops see. So cops are very prone to anxiety, depression, and divorce. And what happens is, a lot of times, cops will shut down, and they're just into, you know what, they get home, take the uniform off, you know, because usually it's four on, three off, or two on, three off, two on, whatever, three on, two off, it's gone now to 12-hour shifts. But cops, really, cops work like 12 days a month now because of 12-hour shifts. So they get off, and they go, you know what, shut off, Go out, drink beer in the garage, or go boating or whatever, and just be alone. And they just blow off their spouse, and they end up growing apart. But when the girl actually leaves him, he's crushed. It reveals his deception. What mattered most to you was actually her. But you were deceived into believing something else was more important. You're actually deceived. So suddenly, your true heart is exposed. She actually mattered the most to you. Now that she's gone, you realize it. But before you wouldn't pay any attention to her because there's just you were too important to you. But now that she's gone, you're like, you know what, man, that, I should have been, I should have done this and all, that's where all the love songs come from. I should have done this and I should have done that. How am I gonna live without you? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so that's deception. The whole time you actually felt that way, but you were deceived into believing something different. You felt something different. I've seen it throughout, I mean, I've seen it throughout my whole adult life. People just hate each other while you're married. If you hate each other while you're married, why did it crush you when he or she left? I had some neighbors of mine, and she basically ignored him for years. Just ignored the guy. Like, I mean, in every way, if you get my drift. Ignored the guy. So he's like, I'm done. And they actually owned two houses on the same property. So he just moved out and went into the other house. And she was fine. You know what, we're just separated and that's that, she's good. Then he started to date other women. And now she wants him back. And I saw the whole thing, he'd come out and talk to me all the time. I don't know why people come and talk to me, but they do. I go walking by with the dog, he'd come out and talk to me. And now they're back together, been together for years now. Fine, they're doing great. She was deceived. And loss brought about the reality of it. People will live like that because their heart is actually deceived. Your heart is a follower of your actions. It will follow you in whatever you do. Let me read this to you. Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, 
There will your heart be also. It is not. Where your heart is, is where your treasure is. It's whatever you do is where your heart is. You can lead yourself straight into deception with whatever you do or don't do. If you don't pray, study the word, prayer, Bible study, worship, fellowship, miss church, you're leading yourself into deception. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If you listen to the word all the time and don't do what it says, like tithing and believing for the windows of heaven to open wide for you, you're actually living in deception. That's where you get all these funky ideologies that lack and poverty is an attribute. It's not true. That's not what the Bible says. You have to be careful with riches. That's it. Be careful with riches. Remember, when you, when you hear that verse, Mark 10, 1025, it's easier for uh, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When, when you hear that, Jesus is speaking to business owners. That's why Peter said, well, then who can be saved? Because Peter owned a fishing company. He's not poor. Name one, name one verse where the disciples are poor. Come on, you better know your Bible better than me. You won't. So that's why Peter cried out. Well, how, basically, who can get into heaven then? Who's gonna get into heaven? That's where, that's, Matt, that's Mark 10, 25. Then you have Mark 10, 27. With God, it is impossible. I mean, with men, it is impossible, but not with God, for with God, all things are possible. So rich people can be saved, obviously. And, and, and if he died to make you wealthy, he became poor to make you wealthy, then you should be wealthy. Why am I saying that? Who's gonna fund, who's gonna fund the end times resisting and restraining? The poor people or the rich Christians? And I would say that this is a great giving church, but if I say that, you're not gonna give anything. It's true, I told you, this is the worst offering we had in over two years. It was one of the one time that I told you you were a great giving church. It's a great giving church, and everyone, oh, somebody else is doing it then, so I'm taking the week off. We need, listen, a lot of us, we need to grow in this stuff. You're like, Tom, you're talking a lot about money. I don't, it had nothing to do with the message, it's what's on my head. It's what's on my mind. When we had the ladies' conference, we had a horrible offering. That should never be. That's a sign of church immaturity. We had a ladies' conference. I guess everybody gave during the ladies' conference, and we had a terrible offering. That should never be. Look how quiet it gets in here. Everybody's so worried about money. Why are you worried about money? It's God's anyway. You either take it or you don't. It's his account. He's got it for you. Take it or don't. It's nothing to be offended about. Nobody's trying to. I mean, when's the, when, when, when are we taking the offering here? When are we passing the plate? Am I gonna bring up, I'm gonna bring up the best singer in the church and sing down to Via Della Rosa and take the offering. And I have nothing against churches that take offerings, but I'm just saying, I mean, the churches that I love all take offerings, every single one of them. I just don't. I just, why change? Why change? I mean, it's not, and by the way, it's no great script. We may take an offering someday. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't care one way or the other on that. But I'm just saying, we need to, we need to mature. And it shouldn't, get, it shouldn't get all quiet and verklempt in here when you talk about money. I'm not coming after your money. I'm not passing a plate. I'm not doing anything. Do what God tells you to do. But you better do what God tells you to do. Let each, let, let each man give, give as he has determined to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. 
But wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's not the other way around. It is not, it is not where your heart is, your treasure is. Your heart is a follower. It's a subordinate to your spirit. So whatever you treasure, whatever you do, is where your heart is. Is where your heart is. Matthew 6, 22 and 23. The lamp of the body is the eye. What does this have to do with? Does this have to do with guarding your heart? No. That's Proverbs 4, 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. That is not what this is about. Please stop preaching it like it is. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. What does that have to do with guarding your heart? People always preach this verse like it's guarding your heart. It's got nothing to do with guarding your heart. This has to do with how you see things. How will you see? Remember, these are all connected now. Now I'm I'm switching versions of the Bible because it depends on how I've got them memorized. First couple verses I've memorized in the King James. I've got these memorized in New King James. So if you're wondering why it's all different or whatever on the screens, well, that's why. Because I just don't, I'm not gonna make them do that. Well, actually, I did make them do that on this, but some of these stuff I don't. This has to do with how you see things. How you see things is your heart. How do you change how you see things? Through what you do or don't do. There's things that you need to stop and there's things that you need to start. And you already know what they are. I don't need to tell you, God's already told you. Yeah, but he told me that 17 years ago and I keep looking for new information so I can obfuscate around it. No, he's just corralled you now. You're fenced in, you're going nowhere. He told you step one. And you refused it. There is no step two for you. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole perspective will be light. You will be able to see. Because your heart, because your heart followed its treasure and your treasure was correct. What's your treasure? Whatever you're spending the most of your time doing or not doing. See how quiet it gets in here? This this convicts me just as much as it convicts you. This hurts me just as much as it hurts you. Verse 23, 623, Matthew 623. But if your eye is bad, your perspective is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That's talking about deception. Again, and if it seems evil to, evil to you to serve the Lord, going back to Joshua 24, 15, seeing if things that are godly seem evil to you, the light that is in you is darkness. That's your perspective. And it's all about your heart. Tom, I've got to change my heart. Don't ask God to change your heart. Speak to it. Not your words because your words are corrupted unless you've already renewed your mind. If you haven't, you already know it's you. And you're like, you can part and parcel this. There are areas of my life where I have a pure heart and pure words. And then there's areas of my life where I don't. I'm not gonna speak to my heart in the areas where I'm corrupted. Does that make sense to everybody? It's more of a teaching than a preaching because I want you to change your life. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now what is this about again? 
This is about your heart, about your perspective. You either have God's perspective or you have yours or the world's perspective and they cannot live together because one will hate the other. One will take over the other. So you need to ask, which world is conquering which world in your world? Because no man you can't serve to. And again, you can part and parcel this out, whether it's healing, whether it's finances, whether it's marriage. The words that you are speaking are your heart. Which world are those worlds representing? Because no man can serve two masters. You can't. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other you cannot serve. God, and what does mammon mean? People think that gets substituted in mistranslations of the Bible as money. Mammon means the world system. You can't serve God in the world system. And look at how this is linked to worship team. You guys can make your way. I know I didn't give you any warning, but it's 1212, so I better tell you now. Matthew 6, 25 through 27. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the, fall, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they who by worrying can add a single hour to his life? So tell me how this has anything to do with guarding your heart. This has to do with perspective. And you need to speak it into your life. Remember, close them with this. Your heart is a follower. It will go to whatever you treasure. If you treasure a bad marriage, it'll go to a bad marriage. If you're bad-mouthing, your heart will go right there. Your heart is a follower. One of the things that I pray, I'm done, I'm just gonna tell you this. One of the things that I pray, that I, pray, that I don't pray as often as I used to, but I used to pray it all the time, is Lord, Bring my mind, which is my heart, into subjection to my spirit. Bring my spirit into subjection to the Holy Ghost, into the Holy Spirit. You need to pray that way. Amen? Amen. 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 Every head bowed, every eye closed. Praise you, Lord. Before we go this morning, I always want to ask, where do you stand with God? You already know when I ask the question, but I'm going to ask it to you today. Where do you stand? Never want to close out a service without giving people an opportunity to get their life right with God. So now is your time, right here, right now. This is all we're going to do, then we're leaving. So you can just concentrate on this right now. That's all we're going to do today. Where am I with God? How do you know? It comes down simply to a three-letter word. And that three-letter word is sin. Is the sin gone or is it not? And there's only one way for it to be gone. Because Jesus took it all on us, took it all on himself, took all of our sin onto himself. He became, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, the propitiation for our sins. Now, if you're already saved, but you're living in a lifestyle of sin, you've taken that burden back onto you. Not struggling with sin, a lifestyle of sin. You've conceded to sin. You've said, you know what? That's it. I'm going to live in it. That's a hell-bound decision to make a hell-bound decision to make. And I always want to cover that, again, because nobody else does. And there's so much 
biblical, non-biblical heresy about that. I'm not talking about that you sin and get it right and sin and get it right. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that you've sinned and you said, you know what, I'm gonna stay and I'm gonna live in it. It's a hell-bound decision. It's called apostasy. And it's all over the Bible. It's all over the Bible. So you need to get right today. Maybe you've never been saved. Or maybe people think that you're saved, but you know that you're not. Whatever the situation is, now is your time to get your life right with God. Right here, right now, get your life right with God. Right at this moment. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, and I always wanna tell you this, so I set your heart at ease. I'm not gonna do anything to you. I'm not gonna bring you forward. I'm not gonna bring you into a back room. I'm not saying that we'll never do those things, but today we're not doing it. You're gonna stay seated right where you are, and I'm gonna ask you to do two things. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm gonna ask you to pray. And when we pray, everybody's gonna pray. See, nobody's gonna know but me, you, and God. So if you need to get your life right with God this morning, now is your, or this afternoon, now, if you need to get your life right with God, now is your time. So if, you, if that's you, and you know that it is, right where you are at, stretch your hand as high into the air as you can stretch it. I mean, really stretch your hand out so I can see it. All over this room, lots of hands. I got you. I got you, I got you everywhere. I got you, you can put them down. Those of you who lifted up your hands, we're gonna pray this prayer, all of us, out loud. You pray it, you mean it, your sins are taken off of your shoulders and they're put onto Jesus' shoulders. Your sins that would cause you to go to hell now have caused Jesus to go to hell and he went and paid the price for you. Went to hell, paid the price, got the keys from from Hades and came back. They're all lumped onto Jesus now. You don't have to go to hell anymore because he already went for you. All, the, all of your sins have been placed on his shoulders. Because all you have to do is pray this prayer and you are saved, born again. Except a man be born again and cannot see the kingdom of God. So the entire church is gonna pray it with you. You pray it out loud, you mean it, and you are saved. Here we go, Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' name. Everybody said, that's it, that's it, amen? Amen. If you need prayer this morning, our prayer teams will be meeting on each side of the stage, come on up for prayer after the service and they'll pray over you. Everybody stand over, stand up to your feet. Praise you, Lord, let me pray over you. Lord, we pray right now out of the kingdom of heaven and we receive, Lord, a great week of prosperity, a great week of healing, a great week of victory in Jesus' mighty name. And the church shouts, amen, love you all. God bless you.